this is episode one with Manuel Casasola Merkley. Hey everyone, welcome to the Business of Design, a show where each week we find out exactly what it takes to be a success in the creative world. I'm Eugene Offerman from Muse Creative, and today I have the privilege of chatting to Manuel Casasola Merkley one of the founders of the hugely talented studio Eich Sponza, located in Germany. During the interview, we chat about his life before Eich Sponza, how much being in the right place at the right time can change your career, and how much hard work it really, really takes to make it in this competitive industry. Without any further ado, here is Manuel. Manuel, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I'm so looking forward to chatting to you today. Uh, yeah, I'm very glad to be here. Thank you. I think the one thing I just want to maybe start off with is just some reasons for me starting the show. Now, there's there's quite a lot of podcasts out there and a lot of creatives are being interviewed, but it's more about the techniques and about the people themselves. And I just feel that no one's really doing enough in terms of a business context when it comes to designers in, in, in today's age. Um, you know, especially in, in 2017, designers are, um, you know, we were much more focused on, on, on side hustles and we're having to wear a lot of different hats in terms yeah, of that's our true. in terms of our skill sets. We we need to manage clients, um, manage accounts and and typically it's something that creatives have always stayed away from in the past. Um, you know, but times are progressing. Everyone needs to do that much more to prove themselves and to to really make a, a difference. And it's, it's all about that leveling up. So I think for me, selfishly, I because I felt that the community wasn't um, asking the right questions, I just decided to actually ask the questions myself. Now, Very good idea. I, I'm, I'm totally with you because I think you're right with what you say. Nobody is doing it and it's necessary to do it. When we started out with our company, it was very hard for us to find information. Manuel, for the 5% of the listeners who don't know who you are, can you take a minute or two and introduce yourself and the amazing company yeah, sure. that you own and work for? Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Manuel Casasola Merkle, which is half Spanish and half German, <laughs> um, as my father is from Spain, and I am a graphics designer. I finished my studies, I think, uh, 1999, and um, yeah, right after doing my studies in, in communication design, I started to work as a freelancer, mostly, and um, I did not work as a graphic designer, as yeah. originally intended, but I, I started to work in 3D. And that was because I always, for my for 2D layouts and my print work, I always uh, created images and layout stuff in 3D just to help me out because back in the day, uh, it was very hard to find photographs. There was not really something we call the internet today. Yeah, it was a total and, different uh, time back then. Absolutely. So you had to do the photos yourself or you had to do drawings or stuff. And uh, I very early started with 3D. And then a friend of mine just asked me whether I wanted to work as a freelancer in a 3D company. And I said, yeah, why not? <laughs> Earn some money. And then I stuck to it. And um, after some years of freelancing, I just thought it might be cool to have a own design studio do something on, on our own and I found some colleagues that have the same idea and that's why we just without any plan or big knowledge founded Ike Sponsor which is a design studio in Munich and we are operating this for 10 years now and uh, it's quite successful because we always had enough to eat <laughs> and <laughs> enough work, which is exactly the most important part about all of this. Um, but at the same time, we managed to find good clients and had a lot of fun doing good work, mm. like uh, for Red Bull for a long time and for Nike most recently, yep. um, where we do commercials and we work for trade shows and we do... Uh, Fairs and yeah, you name it, pretty much everything but feature film. And um, that's because feature film is just, yeah, not that easy to get into if you're in Germany. Yeah. And at the same time, it's hard from a business perspective because it's not easy to earn money on feature um, and you have to earn money. And at the moment, 100%. we are, yeah, that's, that's, uh, 
the, the only unfortunate thing about this whole story. Um, and at the moment we are, uh, I think, 14 people working uh, at the office here in Munich, which is in Bavaria, which yes. is a province of Germany. Fantastic. And well done on, um, I think it was 10 or 11 years now, hey? 10. Exactly 10. We have uh, our 10th anniversary this year. But unfortunately, or should I say fortunately, we are too busy to celebrate it. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we, we just do this next year. That's a double-edged sword. But I think yeah. in terms of, of celebration, it's, it's, it's very important to um, celebrate things like this. Um, it's, it's important to celebrate the wins, the big ones, as well as the small ones. Um, I think it just, you know, it reminds you why you're doing it at the end of the day. Um, but it's, it's amazing being open just for over a decade and um, just seeing how the company has grown from strength to strength, starting off at four people. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Thank you. <laughs> when you and the other three founders started Exponza, was there a specific mission for the company that you guys wanted to to stick to and to to drive? Yeah, absolutely. And this mission was we always um, or what we all encountered while doing freelance work for other companies was this strict division between design and uh, technical artist. Mm. So um, back in the day, you had designers who were pretty much operating illustrator or maybe after effects but that has been it and yep. then there were the 3d guys doing the very very complicated stuff in soft image and stuff mm. like that um but the the former never uh were, were capable of doing technical stuff and the 3d people usually did not understand design very well what That's meant true. um you you got jobs um that were good on uh, on a design side of things or on the technical side of things and as we all had um a lot of interest in both sides what what we wanted to do is found a company that on one hand has a very strong design background and on the other hand delivers state-of-the-art technical products and um that i, I think we we managed to do that at least in the cinema 3d world so, yeah, that was that was basically our mission. And just because of personal interest, because we wanted to do both and we thought maybe the products get better if you have the ability to really deliver both from one hand because you um, the, the both sides influence each other. So, um, yeah, if you're starting out a project and while designing, you already know all the flaws of the of the production and you already um, anticipate what can go wrong and how, how you approach it best, then you probably do different design than if you just start out an illustrator without knowing a thing and um, later encounter problems that um, maybe make the product less good as it has uh, could have been. That's such an interesting way of putting it. And I think, you know, further to your point about, um, you know, traditionally in, in yesteryear about 3D artists being solely 3D artists and designers being solely designers, you know, it is very much a, a time where where the where the software options were were quite complicated and if you were one or the other you had to invest in it you know you your time and your energy and your money and everything was solely focused on that um but mm -hmm. there seems to be a nice bridge coming up now in that especially with the likes of adobe and maxon partnering so much and and just bridging that gap a little bit between what is designer and and what is 3d artist and 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 almost it, allowing the two worlds to cross over a little bit and also the integration of the, all the all the tools into the different packages no absolutely when i started out there was pretty much soft image and uh, power animator yeah. and wavefront on irix so to start 3d you had to invest a hundred thousands of dollars and then um, you had to learn very very complicated command line like interfaces and it, it just was not fun so it attracted a very different crowd of people and um, this is really something that maxon did basically mm. um, th they bridged the gap they really offered for the first time an easy to operate 3d program for every designer to grasp um, that gave designers a possibility to really dig into 3d and today we have a very, very different situation where you have a lot of very good designers doing very good 3D at the same time. Mm. Absolutely. In terms of the work that you guys are currently producing at Exponza, it's 
it's got a very unique feel in in a lot of respects and i just want to know from you in in your opinion do you think that was heavily influenced by having that graphic design background um i know that you and one of the other partners christian are, are the traditional graphic designers in the sense and yeah. how much of a role do you think that actually played to initiate your your specific style as expands and and growing on that I'm I'm pretty sure that this is really key to the style of Exponza. I'm I'm yeah, it's hard for me to really evaluate how unique it yeah. is because of course we are looking at the internet, of course we are looking at reference, of course we 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 see what other people are doing and we uh we yeah, let yeah. let us inspire by this stuff, not to say we copy it. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, of course we we had a uh, Yeah, if you if you start out as a, as a designer, you you develop your style, your personal style, mm. your personal taste, and of course this influences the work. And um, we we always wanted to be a studio that does recognizable work, if you know what I mean. Hundred percent. So we 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 just and and this is again just because we like it to do, uh, we want to do this. So mm. we we just um, we decided not to just earn money with um, interchangeable stuff. Not that this is something bad, but it's just uh, yeah, um, this job is really more a job to me and to Christian and the other two too. Um, and we 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 spend so much time with it that we really want to do something that we personally like too. And yeah, that and and we are very glad that we managed to find clients that are that were happy with with bringing our style into the into into the work. Basically, that's not always the case. Definitely, and in terms of clients, I think Exponza really jumped on the map for me with the the early Red Bull work that you guys did. Yeah, as for most people, can you give us some insights into to how you landed Red Bull as a client? Total, uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, it was a uh, a coincidence, uh, an accident. Yeah. <laughs> it was basically just, uh, yeah, one of of my personal friends had an had a had a film production company doing feature film, something completely different. Yes. Uh, living, and he was living in Cologne, and he had uh, known a guy called Peter Clausen, who was working for Disney with okay. his company. And this guy stopped working for Disney, moved to Munich and uh, started to work for Red Bull because he had very good connections with these guys at Red Bull. And he had the idea to produce his stuff and he needed people to help him out. And we just accidentally met at a breakfast. <laughs> and uh, then he said, um, well, you are the guy, the, the, the friend of, of um, Peter that I know from Cologne. And I was like, yeah, that's me. Why? Yeah, because I'm looking for people, for, for talent that that actually can help um, me realize these projects. Um, oh, wow. What do you think about uh, just meeting once and talking about this stuff? Yeah. And this is how it all started. It was really, it was just, um, yeah, luck. <laughs> that, that for me is actually amazing. Um, but, you know, as lucky as it was, I think that's, everybody creates their own luck and you know i think that by doing the great work that you did got you the recommendation got you the breakfast and you know i mean it all just dominoed out there so it, it it has a luck component to it but it definitely has a a self point of luck you know what i mean something that well, you created you know from my experience it's just it's very often a little bit of luck And you have to be at the right spot at the right yeah, time and stuff like true. that. You have to know people and stuff. But um, this all is only helping if you have the foundation, if you are doing good work, if you yes. have your tools, if you have something to offer. If this is okay, then this luck, then you can take advantage of these lucky moments. If you have not, um, the lucky moment won't help you. <laughs> this, is, this is how I, I want to put it. 100%. And, and and talking about that luck components and in terms of location, you know, being based in Germany and you, you spoke of Germany being a um, a country that doesn't have a big film industry and um, it's, it's hard to get into those kind of things. Germany, however, has a lot of vehicle manufacturers such as Audi and BMW. Do you think that your location being based in Germany helped in terms of securing those clients? 
I'm not totally sure. Of course it helped because, yeah, chances are that if you're located in Munich, you get work by BMW and Audi and even Mercedes-Benz. That is not very far away either. And um, then Munich is a economically very active city here in Germany and Germany is the third biggest um, economy in the world. So, of course. But uh, I think there are other cities um, that make it even easier to land good jobs like London or Vancouver or I don't know New York yeah. <laughs> but so it's not the worst and it's not the best I think it's okay and um, of course doing visualization for car manufacturers is probably easier um, loca being located in Munich but uh, tell you what the big jobs by Audi or BMW always go to at least London um, because these guys just think the good work is done there. <laughs> so w what you get if you are staying here in Germany is um, the, the the yeah the B range of jobs, uh, pr probably. Um, and uh, at the same time, it's not that easy for a German studio to work internationally just because of the language. Because um, in Germany, well, many people speak okay English yeah but of course for a US company or Australian company or Canadian company it's so much easier to work with the UK if they uh, are interested in European style okay. than with um, with Germany just because of the language barrier mm -hmm. so um, it was not that easy for us to work internationally unfortunately this really changed with Nike yes. uh, because since we are working with them um, other international companies just see that it's probably working and um, and don't have these concerns anymore yeah and I think it's I think it's the work that that speaks to it as well you know what I mean you might Absolutely. you might get a, a B grade job in your first round but the minutes um, the client is comfortable with your work and sees the amazing delivery you, you should straight up to a you know what I mean it's just about making sure that you that you always there on game day yeah that's right so um, being in Munich is really not a bad decision. Um, in our case, it was a, a completely personal de decision. It's yep. not that we picked Munich. It's just <clears> that we were in Munich. We happened to be in Munich when founding the company. That's why we are here. Yeah. Um, but I know people from all around the globe and um, many of them managed to do successful businesses. So I think today it's not that important in our profession to be anywhere. Of course, with a big studio, it might help. Yeah. But um, it's not necessary anymore. Look at Corp, uh, for example. They are um, located in Lithuania, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, and they are successful too, as far as I can tell from their website. So it really doesn't matter too much, does it? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I think that in yesteryear it might have. But with technology's massive role, it's, the world has become such a small place to be and everyone is connected and it's, it's so easy to get in contact with everyone. I also think that with the amount of work that's going out there, it's very easy to pick who are the ones that are excelling at the um, at different styles and in, in different looks and feels that you want to go for. And it's it's quite easy to, to pick from the lot who you want to work with. Obviously, you are going to get things like language barriers and things, which might slow down the process, but I, I definitely don't see it as being a, a deal breaker. Yeah. Uh, that's my opinion too. Now, I think it's always an amazing thing to brag about the amazing team that you have. And without getting too specific, can you give us a little bit more information about the team at Exponza and the roles that they play? Yeah, so we are we are a small shop. That means we don't have departments. Everybody working with us is a generalist, yep. which is quite funny because if you're starting out a career in CG or visual effects, everybody tells you you have to specialize. Think, um, mm. think very carefully about what you want to do. You have to be a modeler or an animator That's or so a true. technical director or a designer or a, I don't know. With iXponsors, this is just not true because mm. it's not possible to work that way. Um, for example, these Nike projects are very demanding. They they need all these roles. We need sculpting and technical direction in Houdini. We need uh, graphic design and, and whatnot. So it's just not possible to, to ha have enough employees to fill all these positions. That's why people at Exponsa are pretty much doing everything from start to finish. And I always found because I'm, I'm actively working on the jobs too. It's not that I am the, the, the guy who just um, sells the stuff and talks to the client. No, I'm, I'm sitting in front of my computer all day long yes. and I enjoy doing so. 
So I'm actively working on the projects as my colleagues are. And and I've, I always found this to be the, at least for me, the better way to work. Because I think it's much more interesting to do a project start to finish than um, to do one particle simulation after the next for years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course, um, you're, you never excel in one field. Um, I think there is... Uh, in, in every field of 3D and design, there is somebody better than me out there in the internet. Um, but it, normally, it's not necessary to deliver the best possible. It's just about being good enough for the job. And if you then can combine all the skills, you can do um, a, a demanding job a lot more efficient than having specialists for everything, you know? Yes. Um, that's That's why we are working that way and to be honest because it's not possible um differently it's it's just yeah it's just um our need to do it like this um yeah. so we have of course uh people have different yeah let's say mm, how do you say that i'm missing the word uh maybe so. passion could be yeah passions absolutely thank you um th th that's it so so one is more into sculpting and modeling and the other one is more into programming and python and vex and i don't know yeah. and the other one is doing 3d scanning more and um that of course but um everybody's pretty much capable of doing everything and and people are really the the Ike sponsor team is really great because they are so versatile. Mm. Um, for example, we we um, currently had to switch with a job from Cinema 4D to Houdini uh, due to some technical reasons. Yeah. Um, and and uh, three of, of of the Ike sponsor guys just did the switch from one day to the other. Uh, like, well, I have to work in Houdini um, for the first time in my life and do a production. Oh, really? starting tomorrow okay let's do it and oh, they wow. just did it so um it's it's just great because they are all very interested and they're all very they have a lot of experience and they are really they never stop learning and they all love what they do so i i really cannot say uh i have to say all the best about my my colleague there the, you you said one thing there that really resonated with me and that's um people there are working to learn and mm -hmm. i think for me that has that has always been a, a mantra of mine and you know work to learn and, and learn to work it's it's almost unfair sometimes in in the in the ability that we get and the jobs that we get in in how we actually grow from it and it's it's, it's almost like little learning grants that we get along the way and it's it almost seems like we should be paying sometimes to to be able to learn so quickly in such a environment, and um, I just I just really really enjoy that in in terms of, of of that kind of thing in the in the in the creative field. Yeah, totally agree. The team at Exponza, do you typically focus on a single project until completion, or do you often find that you are switching between jobs in the different stages of development? Whenever possible, we try to stick to a job from start to finish, just because it's so much more than just working on the job. You have yes. to know a lot about the job. Whatever we did, all of this stuff is very complicated. Um, exactly. Be it Red Bull, Formula One, where you really you have to learn all the ins and outs of the Formula One if you want to be able to do good um, films about this topic. So really everybody involved really knew about engines and rules and rule changes and drivers and everything. Yes. And it's just a lot of work um, to get into it. Same holds true for Nike, where we are by the, uh, but by now we are just product specialists about their stuff <laughs> or for BMW. And uh, yeah, it's just so much to learn that it's just not a good idea to um, constantly switch. That's, a, that's the next thing that I want to point out. Um, of course, you have to be a good artist. Of course, you have to do great design and um, 3D work. But at the same time, you just have to be a, a yeah, how do I put it? An interested individual, 100%. because it, it's it's about communication, and to communicate something, you have to understand what to communicate. So um, that is that is a something I love about my job that you have the opportunity to really dig into the, so many different fields and really learn about I don't know, be it Formula One or be it um, sneaker boots. Yeah, <laughs> but. 100%. Um, you really have to be interested in the product you're advertising because otherwise it's 
yeah, it, it just won't fit. Um, in, in big production houses, this role um, will be delegated to somebody specially employed for this uh, a producer or uh, I don't know a script writer or a conceptor yeah but in a little studio like ours um, really everybody has to understand what it's all about 100% and I think that's a that's a beautiful segue to my my next question um, because as a 3d artist and motion designer myself you know one of the my favorite things online um, are the breakdown videos which studios produce you know showing off <laughs> the, the process and the experimentation of, of just how long and sometimes how many takes and how many iterations of a certain animation it takes to get to the final product. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the design process is almost always an experimental journey where you start with an original idea and you continue experimenting and experimenting until certain things start to catch your eye and click. And, you know, the final product almost unveils itself to you. Now, how important is experimentation at Expenser? Do you guys actually dedicate time in projects to it? Do you have a yeah. um, an experimentation phase of a couple of days? And is it a matter of yeah. briefing the team with a, a free-range thinking approach where you consolidate ideas at the end of the week? Or is it a thing of, um, you know, you, you set the guys off with a good set of guidelines and then help draw them in at the end of the day? Now, all these projects are really very iterative. Um, it's always an iterative process. Yeah. As, you, as, you, as you say, it's, it's um, yeah, the thing with this type of business is that you uh, restart um, every single time. It's I compare it with science. You really do a new project and it's you start true. over from scratch every single time. Very, very true. That's on, on one hand very, very exciting and on the other hand a little bit exhausting because you really cannot reuse whatever um, yeah. If you if you are doing a uh, arc with business, chances are that by the time of three or four years, you have a pretty good library of materials and um, trees and whatnot, and you start to to yeah, just get more efficient with your work because you can reuse parts of what you did before. Mm -hmm. But that's not true with us, um, unfortunately, <coughs> and fortunately at the same time. So yes, we dedicate a lot of time um, to research and development. And that really means uh, a lot of money too. Um, so it's not the most um, cost effective thing to do, if you know what I mean. No, um, doing something different, doing more traditional work might yield better profits than what than doing what we do because clients really don't necessarily understand that this is necessary um exactly uh we do it anyway because it's it's just we have to we we have to uh, really research this stuff and not only the design um because yeah design is very iterative all the time and for a nike piece for example we do at least five to ten rounds of design before we have um have the final the final style or the yes. final direction um but the same holds true for technical uh, stuff I, I don't know if you've seen the presto movie we released very recently um it has so many effects in there that just have to be developed uh, most of the stuff is not just clicking a predefined solver in houdini and that's yeah. it but it's about um yeah coming up with new ideas de just developing stuff so um, a lot of the time i'm just sitting there developing workflows so Oh, okay, we want, um, I don't know, a rock turn into fabric. And uh, while doing so, emitting particles, how can I do this? Yes. So um, I have to be very open about uh, how to approach this stuff. And um, often I, um, I end up writing my own code for this and combine tools in different ways to be able to just achieve it. I just really don't think sometimes that clients realize just how much work and effort and blood, sweat, and tears um, agencies invest in, in projects like this. Um, and it's just, no, no, it, no, it's no, amazing no. to see. And at the end of the day, it's it's passion and it's and it's love, you know. Yeah, but that's, that's totally understandable. Just if you're not into cars and you, you get your car to the, to the um, 
how the they call it, car shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to the mechanic. You really don't understand what he's doing neither. So you just want your car fixed and then it will be fixed and you have no clue about all the difficulties that he might, might face during the process. And that's usually true um, with our clients too. It really depends. At Nike, for example, people are a lot more aware about um, what, what this process involves than at other companies. But yeah. that's really because Nike is, is yeah, special and they're doing a very, very much CG stuff. Um, mm. And they just got used to it, I think. And they have a, a very large design department too. So I think um, people are just personally closer to this business than at other companies. If you're working with engineers, they're about, yeah, they, they do engineering all day. So yes. they don't don't necessarily understand what's what's happening here. But even these guys understand better than PR people because these just do, yeah, PR. And <laughs> often they just think, um, I, I don't know, you click two buttons and that's it. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that goes to brand values at the end of the day. I mean, Nike's in a position now, and I think it's for the last two to maybe three years, the amount of actual CG work um, done in Nike commercials and the quality of, of the CG work has just been mind-blowing. And it's, and it's almost been a fetish of of shoe porn if you can call it that that's that's been around <laughs> for the last two years just make sure they don't hear it <laughs> i promise you it's it's like every time you log onto a vimeo or youtube or something like that there's a brand new spot of the latest like nike sneaker or um athletic shoe and the amount of work that has gone into it and the, and the like the detailed concept and the richness of it um you know no two are the same and they they just all shining in their in their own regard. Yeah, that's true. So we we've spoken a little bit about handling experimentation so for for client projects now, but when it comes to something like a passion project like the seed or um, no keyframes where there's no brief or goalposts or anything, how do you guys as a team come together and get the ball rolling on that? Well, to be honest, these two were, were very different and um, very problematic because, uh, yeah, don't, don't get me wrong, we are just not artists. So um, for me, it's very important to, to just state this yeah. um, because uh, maybe we are capable of doing art, but I, I don't see myself as an artist um, just because I have no, yeah, I'm just, I need somebody to tell me what to communicate. I, I don't have a message, <laughs> I think. Um, and that meant that it was very hard for us to find uh, our way through these projects. With no keyframes, it was easier because I did it alone, just me. Okay. And that that was okay because I just did what I wanted. Um, wow. And this was driven by technic technical things. It yes. was just me trying out what I ever wanted to try out and what okay. not um, and stuff that no client wanted to pay for um, until this point. <laughs> so it's so I started how the, the um. The, the development folder when you are doing your testing and, you know, your random um, executions of experimenting and things like that, it, it grows, but it, it's never lost. You always find a way to just, oh, I'm on a project now and that would be beautiful for this. And then you can just always pull the those kind of techniques and experimentations into it and, and kind yeah, of absolutely. fit it in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with Seed, it was very different because this was a huge team. Yes. Um, and um, it was a democratic project if i can say that though okay. um we, we had nobody who, who was the lead on this but everybody was well had the same right to speak and had um, brought brought his ideas in which was good and bad at the same time because we had a lot of ideas but it was nearly impossible to to, to really decide which one to use yeah <laughs> Um, so it took us a long, a long time, and it was hard to, mm. to get through it. Um, but I think it was worth it because um, uh -huh. I enjoyed the project a lot, and people liked it a lot. Yeah. So I think it was worth it, and uh, I think the 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 result was really only possible due to this process because it is very uh, diverse. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think it worked. But for yeah. for everybody involved, it was hard. <laughs> I can imagine, and you know, just talking on the diversity of that, it it, it really came through in the, in the final execution. But as diverse as it was, it still had that glue that kept it all together, so that 
when you finished watching it, you like it came together and it made sense. You know what I mean? It wasn't just this abstract piece yes. where it kind of left you wondering and like, what what did I just watch there? Yeah, but let me tell you, this is uh, um, the result of the work of Christian and Toby who kicked in and just, um, yeah, I think after three quarters of the project were over, started to, yeah, pick up this direction role that oh, really? we omitted until then. And then they just looked at the mess we created and said, okay, that's not bad, but we need a we need some concept. We need something to tie it together. And then mm -hmm. they reworked a lot of the film. And and really they are were were the, the two guys that really brought it together. Because um, without without the work they did, it would have been just a technical demonstration showreel, yeah. I think. So uh, yeah, in the in the last quarter of the production period, we really started to create all these um, yeah these glue pieces that brought everything together, and it was necessary to do this. I think that just reaffirms what you were saying earlier um, about the team and in how you know they're all generalists in their own regard. But because of their passions at the time, you know, they were able to pick up those directorship roles. They were able to take in those technical lead roles and actually guide the project. You know what I mean? But they yeah, wouldn't absolutely. be involved in the project if they weren't a generalist to begin with. Yeah, that's it. Now That, that is how you can put it. Yeah, thank you. Um, now, you seem like a very, very busy man. Um, <laughs> sure. Can you, can you take us through... A, a very typical day in terms of like what time are you getting up in the morning what are your general working hours and and you know what time do you eventually go to bed at night oh this really depends a lot and it changed a lot over the last 10 years yeah um i'm i i i, I was born as a person that lo loved to sleep <laughs> oh wow <laughs> so during my studies i really got up not not earlier than the noon yeah but i worked every night until 4 a.m or even later Okay. So I was a night person, uh, sitting in front of my computer at night when when all my 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 friends were partying. I was uh, learning Cinema 4D. I, I don't know why, but I always I loved it, and I I really started to learn everything that I can get, uh, uh, could get my hands on. Yeah. Um, and then uh, with the company, it this really changed because um, you are very very. Yeah, you have you have a lot of work, and during the day you cannot do it because of the phone calls, because of the meetings, because yes. of the conferences, and all of that. That's why I just shifted my schedule radically in two thousand and eight, and got up five a.m. every day. Okay, went to the office very early, and um, by doing so, had three hours of silence it's before the day even started, and that the was golden, the time to do the all the. Absolutely, and 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 I used these hours to to learn, to develop new techniques, to um, investigate all this stuff that is just not possible when the phone is constantly ringing. Yeah. Um, for example, I did one whole year of Khan Academy, if you if you know that, um, to polish up my math skills, um, where I where I invested uh, two hours every single day to do math. <laughs> And that was only possible during the morning hours because you just have to be concentrated. I think there's two very distinctive types of people. Um, you're either very creative in the early hours of the morning and you're very fresh or, you know, you can sit until four o'clock. And, and you've kind of had both there, um, which is very, very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now that, I, that I've got kids, um, I changed again just because I have to see them. I want to see them and I don't see them if I get up at five o'clock and um, get back home in the evening, 10 p.m. So I um, decided to stay home in the morning. I go to work 10 a.m. I think or 10.30 okay. um, and stay late most of the time. That's just because we are such a small uh, shop and, and I have just two main roles there. So I have to do all the business stuff. And at the same time, I'm a, my own operator I'm doing 3D. So it's two jobs at the same time. And that often means working long hours, unfortunately. The one thing that you know, has always, and it kind of leads me to this point, in, in the one thing that has always stood out um, as long as I've known you online and things like that is, is your hustle. And I, I hate using the word hustling in today's context because everyone online is a hustler and you know they they're really working hard and you know it's it's their online status of it all 
You work in Run Expanza, you're a family man, you're busy doing tutorials with Maurice Schwinz adding Tagma. Mm -hmm. uh, you host presentations at trade shows, engage on social media. It's, how, do you, how do you find the time to balance that all? Mm, cut, cut down on sleep. <laughs> 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 no, it's just it's just working all day long. It's just working. I I, I, I don't know. I decided once to um, dedicate my life to work, and that is what I'm doing. So I really um, fell short with, with my social contacts, with yeah. my friends, and I really don't see them as often as I would like to. And uh, I cut down on vacation and stuff like that. And um, it's by no means something that I want to advertise. It's not that I say, this is good, look at me, how, how cool I am, what I can do all simultaneously. It's just that it was unfortunately necessary to run this business. So, um, yeah, this is something I, I have to state. If you want to run a business like that, uh, on your own, without background, it's just a tremendous amount of work. Because you have to really care about everything. You have to, yeah, research, um, the legal stuff you have to care yes. about the coffee machine not working you have to think about how to organize the workspace you have to talk to the to your landlord or to your host you have to uh, employ people you have it really it never ends and that's that's why i have uh, this hustle um and the other stuff like Antagma and, and my trade presentations and stuff like that, it's just, yeah, I have to do this because this is what makes me tick. I, I love it. And it's just impossible for me to not do it. I, it it's hard for me to sit down and watch TV. Um, yeah, I, I always return to the computer, do something creative because it's just how I work. But that's a very personal thing. I'm I think even if I, if I had millions, I would do this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, and I'm so I'm so so happy that you you touched on the point of um, just how much work it actually takes to to run a business. Um, I think that we, and I'm I'm talking on on behalf of of a lot of the youth nowadays, and um, a lot of people in the creative field, and and we get taught a lot of um, creative and technical knowledge. But when it comes to that business side of things, nobody actually explains how lonely it is at the top sometimes and just how much stress and how much anxiety is, is really on your shoulders on a, on a constant basis. And, you know, a lot of people, I think they feel that, you know, when they get to a certain position in life that they can be more of a delegating role and, you know, just outsource a lot of the things and, and not have to worry about a lot of it. But I think that to truly run a company, to truly be part of the team, um, the way that you're doing it, the way that, you know, you're um, a, a creative in the agency as well as running the agency, you, you're you're doing so many things at once. And the fact that, you know, you always return to the computer, as, as long as that happiness is in check, I think that you've won the game. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> It's, it's so true. I mean, uh, people, um, you know, they can go home, they can watch TV, they can, they can do what they want. But if, if they're complaining, then, then it's on their shoulders. You know, you're doing this and some people might see it as, you know, you're, you're a bit of a workaholic or something to that effect. But if, you, if that happiness is in check, you've won. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, it, at least, it was always very, very important to make something that I love my profession, because you have, um, yeah, so you, you just dedicate so much time to it, that for me, it never was an option to just go earn money. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I'm where I am now. Um, so it's, it's not something I'm, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain. No, no, um, I get it 100%. It, it's just, uh, yeah, it, it, you can have an easier life than, than what I'm currently doing. Um, and, and sometimes I'm, I'm thinking about that and say, why are you doing this? It's just, it's just ridiculous. It's so much yeah. work all the time and you're not dedicating enough time to your family. And, but at the same time, I imagine doing something that I don't like all day long <laughs> with maybe a boss that I and don't then you like. you very quickly come back to why you do it. <laughs> and and then I come back to what why I'm doing it. Mm, that said, I must state that the the industry is really getting harder and harder. So budgets are not that big anymore. It's not that easy to earn money in this in this field. Mm. Um, 
and uh, the expectations of the clients with deadlines and stuff really put a lot of pressure on you. I can imagine. And that is not something that I want to support. I, I, I really don't understand why it has to be like this. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just hard to, to, to not collaborate. So you have to, you have to take it on if you want to, if you want to do this stuff, unfortunately. So um it, yeah we are constantly researching ways to to lower the stress level to mm. to make it a little easier for ourselves because i'm now 42 uh, years old and it's not that easy anymore working through long hours every day and working through the weekend and and, and working always and at times it really gets hard but um yeah un until now we really did not find a way i mean it got better over the years but uh it's not good yet <laughs> Are you setting times of like very specific times in either the evening or the morning to to dedicate to to personal projects? No, that's not possible. That's just not possible. Um, yeah, Ike sponsor is that dictating what what happens. And yeah. if you are right in the middle of a very demanding project, which happens a lot, then you really do nothing but this. You 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 just don't have time to to go to the bathroom. Uh, it's just uh, day and night of of work, work, yeah. work, 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 work. And um, for me personally, it's uh, as soon as I can, I, I switch back to, to personal stuff. Um, it's, it's whenever I find the time. Um, that's why I'm so glad that I'm, for example, have Moritz um, uh, doing Antagma together with me yes. because um, me alone, I, I would never be uh, able to put out a, a tutorial every week just because it's so irregular um, when I have the time. Uh, it's really hard to plan. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, yeah. Whenever, whenever I find the time, I do something personal. But it's not that you can plan it. At least not for me. So if somebody's out there having uh, some good uh, life organization tips for me, I'm I'm pretty keen on hearing them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the, the what brings sanity into into your work day, as, as busy as it is, is when you are in that experimentation phase and you and you do have that leeway of. Of really just exploring different options and, and like pushing the creative boundaries i think although the pressure's on your shoulders it's it's kind of that moment where you know you realize why you're doing it and it's it's that enjoyable time that just rejuvenates you a little bit and, and like brings you back no absolutely absolutely um i mean uh, yeah to be honest I say 80% of the time I spend working for Eric Sponsor, I enjoy what I'm doing. And that is not something that everybody I know can say about yes. his work. And I think that that makes it possible. It's easy. It, it's that easy. It's, yeah, it's, it's just a choice. Do something you love, but do it for a very long time every day. <laughs> or maybe do something simpler or easier, but um, maybe you, love, you don't love it uh, as much. And th there are, of course, these lucky guys that just combine both yes. um, yeah yeah one percent of the one percent <laughs> yeah exactly what are you enjoying doing most at the moment now in terms of of work um you know is it is it more the technical side um is there a specific application or 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 any part of your actual process that you that you're loving the most at the moment Mm, yeah, absolutely. So I'm a designer in and out, so I, I cannot exist without design and, and look and stuff. I, I love it. Sometimes I sit down and do a logo design in Inkscape just yeah. because I enjoy it. Um, so it's not always the technical things, but I, I have to admit that I very much turned to the dark side. So <laughs> when I finished my studies, I really had no clue about programming and no clue about computers and no clue about nothing. Mm. I really did um, many of my layouts just by hand and yeah. with uh, the photocopy machine. <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it, I, I, I owe all my technical knowledge to Cinema 4D um, actually and that was because uh, during my studies I used Softimage and it was very capable even in 1994 when I used it and then um, to work at home I chose Cinema 4D because I had a Macintosh computer and yeah. by no means I was able to buy a IRIX workstation so I had to find a, a, an alternative to work at home and that was Cinema 4D version 4 okay. and this program really could not do anything just really? nothing <laughs> it was really <laughs> capable of exactly nothing oh, wow. um, and with version 6 Maxon introduced coffee the scripting language and to be able to do 
something with the program. You ha really had to get your fingers dirty and and coded yourself. That's how I started programming. Um, and today I'm yeah I'm enjoying the technical side of things. It's really um, I, I, all, I I even uh, thought about the possibilities of doing uh, computer science studies. Um, again, something I could not do because of my a little free time yeah but um if if i would have to decide again i probably would choose computer science over graphic design this time okay <laughs> because i just enjoy this more and um that brings me to what i do the most at the moment and that's of course houdini um i i embraced this one uh i think two years ago and uh, yeah ever since i'm just sticking my nose into it and and learning and learning and learning and learning and this is a program where you never stop learning it's just so vast a vast universe that, of everything exactly that what you, i was gonna say i think for a lot of yeah. different software packages you you kind of get to the end of a, a plateau in terms of your, your technical knowledge obviously what you do with that can and can obviously be endless but with houdini and you know the, the very limited experience that i've had with it it's an endless rabbit hole that you can just for no absolutely for, years, for me personally dive 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 no absolutely for me personally it was just i found myself working inside of cinema 4d using python exclusively so yeah. my last projects in cinema 4d were just python <laughs> so i basically used cinema 4d as a sdk or as a as a yeah as a programming interface yes providing me with 3d functions to to develop my own stuff and that was when i realized that i probably want to switch architecture just because i'm i'm doing different stuff than i used to do mm. and now with houdini i have exactly that houdini is more of a of a programming framework than a than a 3d program think of it uh, like something like processing do you know processing very, very true very very true um and and that is basically what houdini is it gives you the tools to develop your own stuff of course mm. it's capable of doing classic 3d tasks but mm. yeah it's never easy it's always um complicated it's just that the possibilities are just endless and you can yeah you can pretty much do everything you like in there Uh, that's why I enjoy it so much because it's it's very good for research for coming up with new mm. ideas and testing out stuff. Um, it's not necessarily the better program for doing 3D work. Yes, yeah, but I mean, think, I think every every bit of architecture, every platform has its very specific purpose. Um, Absolutely, it's just that Houdini's scope is so wide in in terms of of your capabilities in it and the way that you can plug and play into the, the various different applications. No, absolutely, absolutely. But the funny thing is, that's not the only thing. At the same time, I'm very much into modeling, classical modeling. Um, and for this, I use a lot of Blender. I oh, really wow. love Blender. Um, it's, it's probably because the icon is orange, like the one of Houdini. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I really, I started to learn Blender at the same time I started Houdini. Really? And I, I got to love it very much. And I use it on a daily basis for my modeling stuff and UVs and all this stuff that is not so well handled inside of Houdini. Yeah. And then I'm a very, very big fan of 3D code. Oh, yes. So I do a lot of sculpting too and mostly abstract stuff inside of 3D code. So, um, yeah, that's something I, I like to do too. It's not only developing stuff in VEX. I should really give Blender another another go. I, I tried it when I was first getting into 3D a good couple of years back and I just couldn't get into it. It was um, the interface and just the, the integration into it. I just... I, battled was i battled i battled i battled yeah. i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> the first time you open it you, you think this is ridiculous and the next impulse and is to and uninstall like, it <laughs> and like i realized that you know obviously it was a, a free solution and I'm, i'm talking quite a few years back and i'm, I'm sure it has uh, has evolved well yeah it came since, a long way it yep, definitely very, very much the same as as what the the early time uh, the early days of of cinema was um, but for me, the, the thing that really sold me on cinema in, in my beginning phase of 3D was the integration into After Effects, you know, coming from a, a also a graphic design background using Illustrator and InDesign and um, Photoshop, for instance, and then having After Effects being the, the Photoshop for, for animation now, if you want to call it that. 
And then seeing the integration of, of cinema into that, I was just like, well, this is the easiest thing under the sun. Um, but So true. It, it doesn't get easier than that. But I do think that Blender maybe got an unfair shot in, in my early days, in, in my naivety. And I should, I should maybe just, you know, kiss let, and make let me up me, and, and give it a Let me tell you bash. just one thing, and I will probably just um, uh, publish this on Antagma one day. Um, with, with Blender, it's really, it is a very capable program. It is yeah. very easy to use. And in fact, the whole paradigm of the program is very, very close to Cinema 4D. So if you're a Cinema 4D user, there is really nothing easier than grasping um, Blender. Really. It's just that two or three choices of the UI or the navigation are ridiculous. And really. that is A, um, that they chose to use the right mouse button for selections. That oh, is some, yes, something that. that only Blender does and that that yeah draws back people immediately. <laughs> Nobody wants to use a program where you select with the right mouse button. It's yeah. just ridiculous because you open the program, you, you start to, to click and nothing happens. You almost have to change a switch in your brain just to like, Th keep on forcing that's ridiculous. The, the, the other finger down on the other side of the mouse. Yeah, but the funny thing is if you just know the four or five knobs that you have to turn in the preferences then this program suddenly behaves exactly like every other 3d program a lot like cinema 4d oh, wow. and it it really has everything it has bullet physics it has uh animation nodes which is pretty much expresso it has a uh, smoke simulation and modeling and uvs that oh, outperform cinema 4 like no really it. it's just fantastic of course it's open source oh, yes. and that that yeah. means parts of the program are not that well developed yeah. and um the the user interaction paradigm is not consistent throughout the application so parts are very good other parts are not that good yeah it's open source but it's It's just an excellent program, really. And it's fun to use. And what I enjoy is that I really can sit down at any workstation everywhere on the planet and just download it and um, start working with it. Uh, no restrictions whatsoever. And it has a very capable render engine. You probably mm. heard about Cycles. Um, yes. They recently ported it to Cinema 4D. And that right. yeah, tells me something. Um, because it's just, yeah, it's just working out of the box. It's, it's great. <laughs> I love it. Um, before we wrap up, I just want to quickly touch on Intagma. Um, you know, we're, yeah, we're sure. living in a world where, and I'm talking advanced tutorials now, um, such as the ones on Intagma, um, you know, and online education in general. It's more of a business than a passion, um, and people are, are mostly in it for the money. It's, there's a lot of hard work and effort that goes into it. How did the decision come about between you and Moritz? Um, to start sharing your skills for free. Um, and we're not just talking about um, beginner or intermediate skills, but actually some of the, the top echelons of um, tutorials that are out on the internet today. Well, I always was into teaching. I, I did all the teaching at Sponsor. I trained everybody. I, I just loved doing it. Yeah. That's, that's one thing. Um, the other thing is, uh, we, yeah, <laughs> we came up with the idea for Antagma as a personal reference. Because with Houdini, you learn the stuff and you forget the stuff because it's too much. And as a personal reference, we started to record the stuff oh, for wow. ourselves to just to remember. Because I, I once did a course called Math, Math by Errors for FX PhD. Yes. And I sometimes refer to it today because I just forgot the concepts about splines or stuff. So yeah. for me, it's an excellent resource for, for myself for remembering, better than notes or, or I, I don't know. So um, that was one motivation. And the other motivation was um, that we both think that it's necessary to share your knowledge. It's it's just 100%. good. We wanted to start to, to create a community and we wanted to learn from the community because there is really no way to really mastering Houdini. Um, every, there are millions of people knowing so much more than we do. Mm. And we just thought give them something maybe they give you something back and that is actually what's happening that's true i think that said yeah no no carry on yeah as you pointed out doing these uh educational projects is just a tremendous amount of work so uh, yeah you probably know it uh, a, tutor a 
creating a, a high quality tutorial just means a lot of planning and testing and recording yeah. and mastering and editing and I don't know it takes ages mm. and it's a lot of work and uh, we are thinking about maybe um, additionally to the free service we provide there um, doing something commercial too just to be able to put more time into it um, because at the moment it's happening between 11 p.m. and 4 a.m. Yes. And uh, it's really hard to keep up the pace um, by, by doing it in your spare time only. So, um, yeah, even with Antagma, that's something we are considering. Well, I think it's amazing. And like just the, the sheer knock-on effect of that Antagma is going to have and, you know, building the community and the notion of knowledge sharing, I just think speaks so loudly to your character. And it goes back to the, the hustle component, which I spoke to earlier. Yeah. That's true. Are there any other groups or collectives that you're also a part of, um, such as like any Slack channels or Google Hangouts or forums? Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, not very, not on a regular basis. There are a few, MoGraph and Arnold and Cinema 4D related uh, channels, of course. I'm visiting MoStyle TV, which is a German thing um, very often. It's a Facebook yeah. group. And um, of course, I'm, I'm reading through CG Talk, although it's pretty much dead, in my opinion, Yeah. Um, at least regarding Cinema 4D. I think the, the big time of forums is, is through, it's gone. <laughs> People are switching to to chat solutions more That's and more. That's very true. Very, very Not true. something I, I want to encourage because I think a forum is so much better because the, the information stays persistent. Exactly. And you can refer to it after years while, um, while in, in Slack, for example, there is something cooking and then it's gone. And of course, you can search for it, but we'll never find it again. So I'm that's a big fan true. of forums, but that's pretty, uh, probably due to my age. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm reading through the relevant sites, mm. but um, not as much as I would like to. Well, let's just hope that, you know, people cotton onto the idea of sharing through video tutorials and, you know, just explainer videos um, on a more regular basis. And then, you know, that might become the new forum in, in the sense. It would be a very great idea. I, I doubt that this will happen just because it's so much work and you need a lot of dedication to, yeah. to just... Um, research how to do a proper video tutorial yeah. and don't get me wrong but um, really there is nothing worse than a bad video tutorial you know people um, watching people click the color swatch for two hours um, <laughs> telling me that they now pick a reddish and then a greenish <laughs> color is not fun it's true and like it all goes to the experience of the of the tutorials what is the level of the information there i think yeah. if you are learning from somebody senior um, whether they know how to do a tutorial or not, they'll they'll know how to share that information um, because they'll know how they want to consume that information. Yeah, it's pretty much. It's not only about uh, being able to create the effects or the stuff you want to you want to uh, teach. Yeah. It's about teaching too. That's true. I think you have to be a teacher because uh, yeah, it's it's not easy to really explain stuff uh, such that your audience understands and 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 uh, such that it's fun to follow. That's I mean, true. there are a lot of people out there doing very high quality stuff like Ben Watts, for example, or Simon Fiedler, or um, even uh, in the Cinema 4D world, there are many many um, high quality tutorials that are fun to watch and yeah, Grayscale Gorilla, I don't know. People are doing good stuff, um, but not everybody is a, is a video tutorial guy, I think. That's that's very fair. Um, what can we expect from Entagment 2017? Uh, a lot more stuff. As I said, um, we will just continue with what we are doing because we enjoy doing it and yep. the community re loves it. So um, it's just a good experience, I think, for everybody. Um, um, we, we will just continue um, as fast as we can. Chances are that we might um, switch to a little more realistic schedule so instead of putting out a video every week maybe we switch to every two weeks or something yeah. like that but please expect the free goodies coming from us 2017 unchanged throughout the year Fantastic. Um, it's just that we yeah we looked at our own stuff and we saw what we are currently doing are the quick tips 
So it's always 10, 15 minutes, one yeah. dedicated topic. And what people think, I, I think people would love to have a little more project-oriented stuff. So really create something from start to finish instead of just this is one technique. Uh, that's yeah that's, that's uh, that, really cool. that might be interesting for people at least yeah it would it would be interesting to me if i would watch it and um, this is something you cannot create in one week it, it just needs more time it's it's not possible to to do a whole project tutorial in one week not so that's why we no. consider maybe posting less frequently um, but at the same time longer and more in-depth but um, that's all something that's uh, up to discussion at the moment we, we we don't know yet great for the moment it's just uh, it, it will just continue like it was well i could honestly talk to you and pick your brain for hours but i, I think we need to wrap up now we've been chatting for i think a little over an hour um but yeah, before it's we do wrap up i just want to take a moment to to just acknowledge you for the amazing conceptual work uh, you and your team and ex-sponsor do on a daily basis. Thank you so um, much. That the, means a lot to me. For the countless hours. Um, you know, I think more often than not, and we touched on it, um, you know, they, they're thankless hours uh, that you invest into the 3D community uh, with, with the likes of Intagma. Um, so to you and Moritz, just a massive, massive acknowledgement just for sharing your knowledge, growing the community, on behalf of all of us, I just want to acknowledge you for the amazing stuff that you're doing. Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, where can, where best on social media can people get in touch with you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, I'm on Facebook, but on Facebook, I really just um, connect with my with my friends from the real world, basically. <laughs> yeah, I so think that's, that, I that's think, more of a private thing. Yeah, I think that's what it's there for. Um, yeah, I see many people having 2,000 friends, um, but, but I'm not one of these guys because I really, <laughs> on Facebook, I really connect only with people that I've met in real life. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm on Twitter. Um, you always reach me on Twitter. I'm, I'm always there. Um, cool. You can find me on Skype and uh, you can write me an email very That's traditionally. Fantastic. I'll definitely post those links in the show notes. Yeah. Um, Manuel, thank you so much for your time tonight and we'll definitely do this again soon. This was a lot of fun. I wish you all the best of luck for thank 2017. You. Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you very much and I, I wish um, the same for you. I will start recording the next Antagma tutorial now. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, Manuel. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye. Well, there you have it, folks. I had a great time connecting with Manuel. Be sure to look in the show notes for his links and let us both know what you thought of the show, what you liked and what brought you value. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with the creatives in your circles who you think need to hear this. We're going to be doing this on a weekly basis and I'm looking forward to each and every episode. So until next time, cheers for now.